You're listening to the SSPX Podcast, and welcome to episode 32 of the Crisis in the Church series. We'll finish where we left off last episode, when we discussed the errors of Father Leonard Feeney. And today, we'll look at the doctrine of no salvation outside the church from a theological standpoint. What does it mean? In order to attain heaven, is it a strict necessity to be baptized with water and to be a practicing Catholic? Are there three baptisms or just one? What does the ordinary magisterium of the church say about these matters? What about St. Thomas Aquinas? And what about Archbishop Lefebvre? If anyone in the 20th century was fighting against the impulses of ecumenism that were sweeping the church and impacting this doctrine, it would be him. So did he agree with Father Feeney? If you'd like to learn more about the series we're doing on the crisis in the church or go back and revisit our previous 31 episodes, or if you want to support this project, please visit sspxpodcast.com slash crisis. Now, let's turn to our conversation with Father Robinson. Well, welcome back to the Crisis in the Church series here on the SSPX podcast, and welcome uh, Father Paul Robinson back again to continue to kind of wrap up our discussion, yes. what we started last time on Feneism. And so today we're going to dive into yes. the true interpretation of the uh, the, theo- or the theology behind um Outside of the church, there's no salvation. So, can we recap a little bit about what the what Father Feeney and his followers believed, and then go into the go into what the church teaches on this subject, Father? Yes. So, um, I, I don't think I, I really explained in, in any detail in the last conference um, what Father Feeney his position was on outside the church. There is no salvation. Of course, this this is a dogma of the church, um, but it must be understood in the same sense that the church has always understood it. When I was growing up as, as, as a Feniite, um, being taught Feniism, there was, it was given to me this book called the Apostolic Digest. Uh, it, was, it was a compilation of, of many quotations. Um, the, the author was Michael Malone, and he just, he just compiled a bunch of quotations that seemed to support uh, Father Feeney's belief and Father Feeney's belief was effectively that unless you have been baptized with water, you go to hell. The only way that you can possibly save your soul is if you're baptized with water. Um, so the the other baptisms that have always been recognized um, as, as being salvific, baptism of desire and baptism of blood, he said they do not save your soul. He said that, that they can give you grace, they can place you in a state of sanctifying grace, um, but they do not save your soul. You have to have baptism of water to save your soul. So automatically, if someone, if you know that someone is has not been baptized with water, you can just immediately write them off and you just say, they're damned. They're damned. Um, and so, I mean, this this idea, I think, is very harsh and, and, and quite disturbing um, when you think about it, because, I mean, let's face it, <clears throat> sometimes when I, I when I think about it as a priest, like how many people out there save their souls? And, and we know our, our Lord says that the narrow is the way, um, and there's very few people who, who save their souls, and it's so difficult. And you think about the eternal pains of hell and how, how frightening um, eternal damnation is. And from the picture of, of Father Feeney, um, that, that narrow road just, just basically gets limited to a tightrope um, in the sense that yeah. you can just immediately discount any possibility of, of being saved, more or less, 
for those who are outside the church um, as far as membership goes. Um, there's no way they could possibly save so you just write them off and write them off. Anybody who's not baptized a Catholic, you just write them off and say they're all damned. Um, whereas the traditional teaching of the church, um, and I'll explain in a second what St. Thomas says, is, is that um, God is not bound by the sacraments he has instituted. We as humans are bound by the sacraments that he's instituted in the sense that I as a priest, how do I give grace? Can I just like say, okay, Andrew, I want to give you some grace. Here's some grace. You know, and you're like, man, thank you for that. I needed that. Um, I can't, I can't do that. But, but God can do that. You know, if I want to give grace, I've got to administer sacraments, which are instituted right. by our Lord. He gave me the power of the priesthood, which is a power. I have a character on my soul. I have the power to, to confer the sacraments, the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of Holy Communion. Um, but I just can't walk up to people and say, be grace-filled, you know. I mean, just have some <laughs> grace. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, I don't have what's called the, the power of excellence. Um, which belongs to our Lord, which we, and of course, God can give grace however he wants, whenever he wants. So effectively, what I'm saying is that Father Feeney is saying to God, well, you can only sanctify people and bring them to heaven through baptism of water. That's the only way that you can do that. And what the church is saying is that, well, no, God is not limited to baptism of water to save souls. He can, if he wants, save souls outside of baptism of water. When we when we say outside the church, there's no salvation, we are not saying outside baptism of water, there is no salvation. So people can who are people who are outside the church in membership can receive sanctifying grace. And if they die in that state of sanctifying grace, they will go to heaven. They have the love of God in their soul, and they will go to heaven, even if they have not been baptized with water. Um, that's the traditional teaching of the church. It's very interesting, and, and that's something you might be leading into the next point, and if I'm getting ahead of you, sorry. But you said Father Feeney uh, proposed that you could that you could receive sanctifying grace outside of baptism of water, but not attain salvation. Aren't one and the two sort of the same? I mean, yeah. In a sense. So, so yeah, he, he makes this very interesting distinction in his book, The Bread of Life. So The Bread of Life is where he explains his teaching on no salvation outside the church. Um, so he admits that getting into the state of sanctifying grace is justification. Um, and that a man in the Old Testament waiting and wanting baptism to be instituted, and a man in the New Testament waiting and wanting baptism to be administered, could both be justified. So he admits that, that someone outside the church can be justified, can receive sanctifying grace, but he did not believe that this was sufficient for salvation. He made a distinction between justification and salvation. That, that being in a state of justification does not mean that you will be saved. That, that to be saved, you, not, you need not only to be justified, you also need to be baptized with water. Um, um, 
Yeah. So, so um, as I say, this is this is not the teaching of the church. The church has always associated um, sin being wiped away from your soul and justification with the presence of the love of God in your soul and you being able to go to heaven. And Trent itself, um, in Denzinger 7999, I don't know if you're familiar with this this book called Denzinger. It's uh, sources of Catholic dogma. And they just like get yeah. the most important pronouncements of, of the church through, through the whole history of the church. Um, but Denzinger 799 is speaking about justification. It gives the four causes of justification. And it says the final cause of justification or the what justification ends with is salvation. So, I mean, that, that seems to explicitly deny what Father Feeney is, is saying. And there's, there's various um, other, there, 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 in Denzinger, there was this heretic, Michael Bias, and against him, the, the church clarified that you cannot um, separate remission of sins in the presence of charity. Um, so if, if you have your sins remitted, then you are in the state of grace. Um, and if you're in the state of grace, you go to heaven. Um, end of story. No matter how that state of grace was acquired. And as they say, God is free to give grace however he wants. He can, he can give grace outside of the sacrament of baptism. He doesn't have to have baptism. Um, Father Feeney admits that, but he just says, well, you know, um, even if you're in the state of grace, you will not go to heaven. And, and we say to him, well, how is that possible? I mean, <laughs> how is it possible you die and you're in the state of grace and you have the love of God and you get the gates of, of, of heaven and St. Peter is standing there. And St. Peter's like, no, you can't. Like, but wait a second, I've got, I've got the love of, where are you going to send me? Um, so I, I don't know if it was Father Feeney or or some of his followers who said, well, you know, I mean, if someone's in the state of grace um, through baptism of desire, then an angel would come and and baptize them before they died. Um, and I'm like, mm, okay. I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, again, possible. I mean, with God, all things are possible, but highly yes. doubtful that, I mean, you and I have talked on previous podcasts on our questions with father series and you, you make the great point. God doesn't do magic for the sake of doing magic. He doesn't do these, these no. crazy outlandish things just because he can, he can, but he doesn't normally, he normally works within the bounds of what he's already created. Yes. And I, I mean, I think it's important for us to understand, Andrew, is that God is giving grace to everybody in the world right now. He's giving actual graces to people. God wants everybody to go to heaven. He gives them sufficient grace to make it to heaven. Some of them cooperate with it. Some of them don't. It is very, very, very difficult to follow the path of grace when you're you're not being taught Catholic doctrine. You're not being given good instruction. You have a world that's so materialistic. Um, but the fact is that God is bestowing grace, not sanctifying grace. This is actual grace. But he's, he's dropping grace on all souls throughout the world to lead them to the state of sanctifying grace. Um, and so, yeah, God wants to save all souls. And there's souls out there who are, are not, they can't be reached by priests. They can't be reached by by a Catholic who teaches them that they need to be baptized with water. 
Um, and in those cases, they have to rely upon those actual graces that God is giving them. Um, and they will lead to salvation eventually if they cooperate with them. Right. So, again, just, just to recap a little bit, this is what Father Feeney is doing here is a pushback or a reaction to uh, the modernism that was happening even before the council. Again, just to go back to our last episode, he, he's doing a lot of this stuff in the late 40s, early, early to mid 50s before the councils even started. So this kind of shows you how this liberal theology had really started to take root. So he's looking for this. Um, he's looking to kind of recapture the the conservative or the traditional doctrine of the church on this subject. Um, so with that said, what are the traditional teachings of the church did? Uh, you mentioned Thomas Aquinas goes into a great deal about it. And Archbishop Lefebvre talked about this baptism of desire, baptism of blood, baptism by water. He talked about those three aspects as well, right? Yes, yes. I mean, let me just say in passing, um, throw out some names that, that you've you've probably heard um, and are expert with now that you've <laughs> conducted all these crises in the series, the, the crisis in the church series. But um, you know, Henri de Lubac was was a figure who was just mixing the natural and the supernatural. He was saying basically, by nature, everybody is basically in the supernatural realm, um, and there were. The baptism of desire was being used as a certain loophole um, by right. liberal theologians to say that basically everybody saves their soul. Everybody's got baptism of desire. Everybody enters into the state of grace. Um, and at that point, it's like, well, what's the point of the church? I mean, we don't even need the church. We don't even need the sacramental system. Or at least the sacramental system is just a question of getting more grace. It's not a question of saving your soul. Um, and you need the church to save your soul. Um, so, and, and, and also let me emphasize that when we when someone enters into the the state of grace um they are connected to the church in some way so the grace that they receive um is at least received indirectly uh through the church through the cross of our lord jesus christ our lord is um the his spouse is is the church so when they receive graces from our lord it's, they have a connection to the church even though they they're not baptized with water um, they have a connection to the church, at least to the soul, what's called the soul of the church. Um, so when when we say there is outside the church, there is no salvation. And we're thinking about those people who are in the state of grace, but have not been baptized with water. We would still say that they have some sort of connection to the church and they're, they're saved in the church to some degree. Um, so that that axiom outside the church, there's no salvation still applies. Um, but. What, what the traditional teaching of the church was, uh, has always been on, on the three baptisms, um, is that, in fact, <clears throat> um, the, there are two other baptisms besides baptism of water. And this is baptism of desire and baptism of blood. Now, they're not baptisms in the literal sense because they are not sacraments. So baptism of desire is not a sacrament. Baptism of blood is not a sacrament. So we're making a comparison between the, the, the baptism of water and baptism of desire, baptism of blood. And the, the point of similarity is, is not in, in the fact that they're all three sacraments. The point of similarity is that all three of them conform you to the passion of Christ in some way and give you grace. So baptism of desire and baptism of blood give you grace. Baptism of water gives you grace when you did not have it before. 
that's the point of similarity. So they're similar in their effects, but they don't have the same nature. Um, the nature okay. of baptism in water is a is a sacrament. The na- nature of baptism of desire <clears throat> is an act of perfect love of God. The nature of, of baptism of blood is um, an act of martyrdom, <clears throat> shedding your blood for Christ. So when St. Thomas analyzes these three baptisms, um, he actually says that baptism of, of blood um, assimilates you to the passion of Christ more than the other two baptisms, um, that, that it's the most perfect assimilation to the passion of Christ. And that's why we traditionally believe that you go straight to heaven if you're martyred, um, that you can not perform a greater act of love for our Lord than shedding your blood for him and giving your life for him. So um, in that sense, baptism of blood is, is um, it's, it's as efficacious as baptism of water, um, because you know that if you if you if you get baptized um, and then you get run over by a car as soon as you leave the church, you know you're celebrating your baptism. You know, unfortunately, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> then you go straight to heaven. You go straight right. because there's that that conformity to the passion of Christ. You receive the full measure of the blessings, and you, all sin is wiped away. Baptism of blood does the same thing. Um, baptism of desire restore it gives you grace um, and wipes out original sin, but it um, it doesn't necessarily get you straight into heaven. Could we make a, an analogy, sort of with um, with confession and an act of perfect contrition? We know that that if you are able to not able to make it to confession before you die, and let's let's say you're in the state of mortal sin, uh, if you make an act of perfect contrition, that that can be enough. Uh, to, to get you to heaven, that can be enough to regain that sanctifying grace. So, is that sort of a, an analogy there? It's not. It's not a perfect way. You shouldn't bank on it. Don't don't plan on just making a perfect act of contrition. Uh, but it's it's a way. It's a way for that grace to be achieved. Is is baptism of desire and baptism of blood sort of the same way? Yes. Yes. Uh, so, what's different between someone making an act a perfect act of Contrition when they're in the state of mortal sin and, and getting grace restored, baptism of desire, baptism of blood is the baptism of desire and baptism of blood are are going to grace for the first time. Um, yeah. it, you you have not been in the state of grace. You still have original sin on your soul, so they do wipe out original sin and give you grace for the first time. Um, and af, you know if if it happens a second time, a third time, we just would not call it baptism of desire right. anymore. Uh, so we, we we mentioned Archbishop Lefebvre. He's he's talking about this uh, as well. Um, and and there's many other many other writers, theologians throughout the history of the church who have been who have been talking about these three baptisms too. Yeah, and so um, Archbishop Lefebvre, um, as as we know, he he had a doctorate in theology from Rome. Um, he was very traditional. He was very Thomistic. I've just said that Saint Thomas Aquinas teaches that baptism of desire and baptism of blood are salvific. Really, I mean, let's face it, everybody teaches it in the history of the church. Um, Father Feeney came up with a unique doctrine. It was, you know, nobody had heard of, of that idea um, before him. So you can find it everywhere. <clears throat> but let me just uh, quote Archbishop Lefebvre in, in the book, The Spiritual Life, um, to show what he says. He says, beyond baptism of water, there is baptism of blood, which is the baptism of martyrs. Those who are not baptized in water, but by martyrdom, 
also received in themselves the grace and the charity of our Lord. And then there is baptism of desire, which can be explicit or implicit. Explicit baptism of desire is what catechumens have. If they have the interior conditions of regret of their sins, of detachment from mortal sin, they have grace. So he makes that distinction between explicit and implicit baptism of desire. Explicit is where you want baptism. You want baptism of water. Implicit of desire is where if you knew that you, you needed baptism, then, then you would want it. Um, but you do have that perfect love of God. So Archbishop Lefebvre goes on to give an example of implicit desire of, of baptism. Okay. He, he, he mentions that, that Pope Pius XII um, says that you can have this implicit desire for, for baptism and save your soul. Um, so he, here's what he says, this example he is. He says, so think of a Muslim woman or a Buddhist woman who receives an actual grace from God to make an act of perfect charity. In that act is contained the implicit desire for baptism, because in choosing that act, she submits her will to the will of God. She says interiorly, I love God. And if he asked me for something right now, I would be ready to do it. If someone said to her, God asked that you be baptized. Oh, all right, she would say, I'm ready to be baptized. Such a soul is well disposed. But she would not be saved by error. No one is saved by a false religion, by a religion which is invented by Satan. So there can be people who have a well-disposed heart who truly make an act of perfect charity. That implicit desire of baptism confers sanctifying grace on them, but it is through the church that they are saved. No one can be saved outside the church, outside of our Lord, outside of baptism. So I think this is a very uh, good explanation by the archbishop there where he, he explains what outside the church no salvation means um, and how someone can be outside of the church and yet saved through the church. Right. Right. And, and again, we've talked about this in, in other, other uh, episodes, but it is not because of the merits or any actions that they take on in their false religion or it, it's, it, they're not saved through that faith. It is, it is through the no. church. It is, it is in spite of that faith. I think we've mentioned this three or four times, but it's, it's important to one day yes. to hone in on. Right. Because if they follow their religion strictly, they would not end up in the right place. They would not end up in heaven. Those, those religions as a package do not lead to heaven. They're in a state right. of error. Error does not lead you to heaven. Truth leads you to heaven. Um, but somehow, not through their religion, but in spite of their religion, um, they have very good faith. They're trying to serve God as best they can. And God finds a way. God finds a way to, to reach them. Um, they love him, and they're able to save their souls. It's very interesting. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful description by the archbishop there. So again, we're, we're not just relying, by the way, on, on Archbishop Lefebvre here. Um, as, as talented and as educated as he was, um, he's not a doctor of the church. Um, so can we look to some of the doctors of the church? Can we look to some of the early saints and, and what they had to say on this subject, Father? Yes, yes. I, I think the most famous example um, in the history of, of the church is St. Ambrose, who um, he... He had a catechumen who was very famous. It was it was an emperor. Uh, so Valentinian II mm. was his catechumen, and he had not yet been baptized. 
and he died. Um, and St. Ambrose had, had a funeral for, for Valentinian. Um, and, you know, he's, he's preaching the sermon. And he wants to console the people he's given the sermon to. And, and he says, you know, I, I hear that you're sorrowing because he did not receive the sacrament of baptism. Um, but he said to them, he, he had the sacrament of baptism by desire. Yeah. And he even indicated to me that he wanted to be baptized soon. Um, and, and he goes on to say, did he not therefore have the grace which he desired? Did he not have what he was wanting? Certainly he received it be, because he desired it. Um, and so, I mean, obviously St. Ambrose wasn't wanting to canonize Valentinian, um, but right. he was indicating his belief that he had saved his soul. Um, and it's it's been part of canon law that when you have a catechumen, um, someone who's studying for the faith and they, they die um, before they're able to be received into the church, you can give them a Catholic funeral. Um, so there is there is a reasonable hope that they save their souls. So, that, I mean, as I say, that's, that's embedded in canon law. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's also some references in Scripture that that we can point to the fact that our Lord promised heaven to anybody who would die for Him. He didn't say anybody who dies for me after they receive baptism of water. He says anybody who dies for me. Um, there's there's various saints on the universal calendar who are were catechumens when they died. Um, Saint Emerentiana is my favorite example. She was, I think she was maybe a maid of, of St. Agnes. She loved St. Agnes very much. St. Agnes was uh, obviously martyred. Uh, St. Agnes was a Catholic, but St. Amarantiana was not. And so St. Amarantiana, um, in the week after St. Agnes died, she, w- she went to the tomb of St. Agnes. Um, she wanted herself to become a Catholic, but was not yet a Catholic. She was praying at the tomb of St. Agnes. She was found there by the Roman soldiers, um, and they killed her on the spot. Um, they sort of identified her as a Christian. Um, so she died without being baptized with water. And uh, we celebrate her feast day every year. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, the, the priests are, are asked to commemorate her at the Mass. It's a commemoration. It's not, it's a, it's a sort of a fourth class commemoration. Um, so, I mean, as I say, really, this this um, idea of Father Feeney is just completely novel. It, it, it can't be found in the history of the church. Um, and it, when when someone um, presents that book like that I was referring to, the Apostolic Digest, um, they're just basically taking quotes out of context and interpreting them in a sense that was not intended uh, by the authors. The, the people did not want to say um, no salvation without baptism of water. They were wanting to emphasize the need that you have to be baptized, but they they were not. It's very different. <laughs> of course, if you know someone comes up to me and they say, "Do I need to be baptized?" and I would say, "Of course, you need to be baptized." Right. You know, but 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 then it would be wrong for you to walk away and, he's, and just say, "Well, Fa- Father Robinson's a Feniite because he just <laughs> said that basically, unless you're baptized with water, you don't save your soul." I mean, I'd like I'd be like, "No, that's, that's not what I meant to say. I didn't say that. I just right. said that baptism with water is really important and you need to be baptized." Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been this has been a fascinating couple episodes, Father. And and again, I, th- I think I mentioned this in the, at the last episode, maybe at the beginning of this one. Um, it is a cautionary tale. It's, it's again, you, you understand where Father Feeney was coming from. Uh, there was so much, 
so much rot happening um, and so much watering down of, of the theology. Um, but it's a big overcorrection. Instead of going back to tradition, he went further than where tradition goes. And um, it's something that, that I think a lot of traditional Catholics tend to do. You, you tend to want to overcorrect and become really traditional. Sometimes that's not, sometimes really traditional isn't traditional at all. Sometimes, like you said, it's just novel. Yeah, I mean, really, the, the, there's, there's no safety but in the spirit and in the mind of the church. I mean, you can, you can fall off on the right, you can fall off on the left. And, and as you're mentioning these things, I'll just, I'll just say in passing that, that really my own book about balance and science is all about that, yeah. about this question of traditional Catholics just latching on to Protestant ideas with regards to science and this hyper-literal translation of the Bible or understanding of the Bible um, that's, that's really not Catholic. And it really wasn't the understanding of the most traditional minds before Vatican II. So that's three examples. You know, if you think about Fenianism or Sadivacantism or radical Protestant fundamentalism, um, yeah. all three of them are just overcorrecting in a world where it's very confusing because religion is so much under attack. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Father, thank you so much for taking the time to go through this with us. And uh, we'll let you get back to the rest of your uh, busy week. But <laughs> look forward to talking with you again very soon. Okay, thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to and watching episode 32 of our Crisis in the Church series here on the SSPX podcast. Coming up next time, we have a hot button topic, something that many people have been asking in the comments on YouTube and on our website since we started this series, and frankly, for a long time before that too. What about obedience? People can't just ignore what the church says, can they? If a council or a bishop or even a pope says something, we have to listen, right? Well, we'll look at obedience and its limits next time on episode 33 with Father Alexander Wiseman. If you have a question on the topic of the crisis, please feel free to ask it at sspxpodcast.com slash crisis. Please share this episode with someone who you think might enjoy it. And if they don't know what a podcast is, please show them so that they can take advantage of all our episodes. And if you have the ability to set up a monthly recurring donation on sspxpodcast.com, it would help us immensely to complete this crisis in the church project. Until next week, thank you for listening and God bless you.